All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Welcome to the DFO Rundown Podcast with Frank Saravalli and Jason Greger on DailyFaceOff.com. Welcome to episode 16 of the DFO Rundown. I'm Jason Greger, Frank Saravalli in Philadelphia. Frank, what's the uh, temperature in Philly today? It's actually been a bit chilly here the last couple of days. It was about 50 degrees, so whatever that comes out to 12, something like that is I always try and do the conversion on the fly somewhere in that neighborhood. Uh, So it's been fine, but nothing to write home about. Well, on a good Friday here in, uh, in lovely Alberta, it's pretty nice. Uh, Calving season at the Gregor ranch began yesterday, Frank. So I know that due to COVID you can't really get out here, but maybe next year we'll, we'll have you in some coveralls with some, uh, shoulder, uh, big shoulder pads on to help out during calving season. <laughs> I'm in, uh, by the way, I was thinking last week, last Friday, you know, um, grinding out the afternoon, making calls. And I, I happen upon this, this Eric Stahl trade. And as I'm typing in the tweet to tweet out that the Habs are closing in on Eric Stahl, I'm like, God damn it. It's all Tyler's fault. Cause I said on the pod earlier that day, buy or sell, I go, ah, you know what? I don't think we're going to have a trade over the next week. Oh, I know. It's totally his fault. Yeah, that literally, we did the pod Friday and that afternoon, like I think it was three hours after the pod was out, the trade was made. So, um, so I lose and that's, I'm, I'm just pointing out a, you know, a stamp, like you can record and, and play that again. The, the buy or sell answer that I had no good. Yeah, no. Hey, that's all right, man. You can't, uh, you can't predict the future, but you did break the trade. So you, you salvaged that, which was uh, good. Now this week, I would suggest there's, there's a much better chance 
that there's going to be a, a few more trades as we uh, inch closer to the uh, trade deadline, 10 days away. Uh, let, let's start with, uh, with the is, wait, is there a better chance though? Cause I got to tell you, I feel like a debt collector when I'm calling these people around the league, talking to GMs, cause I'm trying to beat information out of them that they don't have. Like, I, I, I get the sense that they'd happily play ball and share what's happening. The same conversations that I'm having with them are the same conversations they're having with their counterparts saying like, there's nothing going on right now. Nothing at all. Like it's so scary, quiet. Do you think that all it's going to take is one shoe to drop? And then, every, because I look at this year, like Tampa Bay is obviously a very good team. You, you know, Colorado and Vegas are good, but man, if you're the New York Islanders, you cannot tell me that they haven't had conversations with the Buffalo Sabres. Anders Lee is still out. And, and I know they, they put up eight goals on Washington last night. So, you know, that may, maybe we don't need the offense, but I look at the Islanders and you, there's a lot of teams that once you get in, if you get that extra piece, man, that mm -hmm. might be the difference maker. I think there's once one team does it, another team might say, Hey, wait a sec. I think we're close to these guys. We got to try to respond. Yeah, I just don't know this year because in a normal year, that might be the case because you're thinking to yourself, okay, well, if I beat this team or I match up against this team in the playoffs, if I can get one extra round, that's another 8 million bucks for my owner and things are different. There's no fans or the fans are limited. And so the revenue isn't there. So, you know, you advance another round, you lose more money. It's more operations, more, you know, things that you're spending on. Uh, there's not that financial incentive this year and, and that, but I also think the other part of it is this, they're so limited in terms of the actual numbers of firm buyers. You know, usually we're at 10, 12, 14 teams that are kind of right in the mix. You know, I'm, I'm uh, poking around on this guy. I'm kicking tires on this guy. There, there's five or six, I, I, you know, I count five or six, maybe seven at the most firm buyers and that's down even from two weeks ago when I wrote the story listing them all. The Philadelphia Flyers were in a, a playoff spot or right there when, when that happened. You know, they're out. Uh, there's other teams that are just kind of in the mix, but not really. They're, they're, they're just not there and ready to, to take the plunge and buy. So, you know, very short list. You mentioned the Islanders. I think it's Islanders, Toronto, Winnipeg, Colorado. And that's kind of it. Like, you know, you, I don't see, there's not a very deep list beyond that. Maybe Boston. What about the, like, what about the Washington capitals? They're not many years removed from a Stanley cup championship. They got the grade eight. You got Backstrom. Like they've only got so many more years left, obviously in that group. Like they got a pretty good team. They got a deep defense. You know, they've got some young goaltenders right now. That might be maybe their only concern a little bit, but I look at Washington and I feel that, you know, there's a team that gets in, they could go somewhere. I wonder what they're, uh, they're thinking in Washington, because I don't know. I'm not going to say it's last hurrah, Frank, but mm -hmm. they're nearing the end of the road. Yes. And no, I mean, God, Ovi's a horse. Like that guy, you see his month of March and you're like, you know, you had questions about how he was aging maybe at the beginning of the year and you don't anymore. At least I don't. Um, I think the caps aren't going to be a team previously their MO was to nibble around the edges where they'd get a depth defenseman, a depth forward. Yeah. And it, it had worked out for them in certain situations. You know, you think of the year they win the cup. Yeah. And so um, I think in this case, 
it's all about goaltending. And I think everyone in Washington was holding their breath when they saw Samsonov, um, you know, leave the game on Thursday night. And I, you know, I wonder as everyone is curious as to what veteran the, the caps might target, is there a possibility that Henrik Lundqvist could make his way back? I know he's been working out. I know he's been taking shots. The next step in that process after this open heart surgery was to take shots up high. He hadn't gotten there yet, but there seemed to be some thought that this week we'd have a better sense as to where he stands. And man, he's under contract. He's been on LTIR. He's got the low cap hit. If you've got two young goalies, you know, how good does Henrik Lundqvist look if he can return to some kind of form as an insurance policy? Wow. Uh, that would be a, that would be a great story. Uh, would it be a great success story remains to be seen. Um, let, let's get to a few teams where, you know, we look at buyers, the Islanders, I think most of us agree, like Taylor Hall just seems to make a lot of sense for them because Anders Lee's not there. Do you see other teams that would, uh, that would look to try to acquire a guy like Hall. Obviously he's on record, his agent's on record, the Sabres are on record, that they're open for business if teams want to try to acquire him. Well, yeah, that's sort of the next part is, okay, so Taylor Hall's out there. Which teams, and, and you know, I, was, I missed a couple teams as buyers uh, when I was just running through that list. I missed Carolina. That team's, we've talked to Don Waddell, they're ready to oh, do yeah. just about anything. And I think the Tampa Bay Lightning are a stealth buyer, obviously not for a guy like Hall, but, um, you know, I think there's some suspects, you know, aside from the Islanders, I think some people wonder about Toronto. I don't see him being a fit there and it's not the $8 million cap it. That's the problem. Cause you can get it down to 2 million. If you run it through two teams, including Buffalo eating or retaining half, I wonder about Boston. And I wonder just a little bit about Colorado because I think Colorado had some interest in him in the off season, but it was yeah. at a really reduced number. I think they were like, only they weren't willing to even pay four. And I think the Oilers were in that same kind of category. It was like, we'll just throw this at you. We think we're a good team. See if you're interested. And if not, no hard feelings. But I think they were kind of in that mix. Well, I'll tell you right now, Edmonton's biggest weakness is a second line left winger. Or you want to call it first line. I don't care. Either one. They, they've got Nugent Hopkins as a left guy. And Dominic Cahoon's just not a top six left winger. He just isn't. So uh, I think that's an area... You, know, you mentioned you can get it down to a $2 million if you make it. But then work. what are you going to pay it? What's your acquisition cost? It not like put aside the cap gymnastics for a second. Yeah. Well, that's, you know, what Edmonton, what's he worth? I, I think Edmonton, if, if you could, if, if they could almost feel confident that they would re-sign him for that, then you might give up a first rounder maybe. But Edmonton's, Edmonton's got some young defense prospects that are pretty good. You know, they're not all going to play in Edmonton. You, you're not going to have Samorikov. You're not going to have Broberg. You know, they've got all these guys. They're not all going to play in Edmonton, right? But I don't think they, they're not going to give up one for a rental. It would have to be one where they're pretty confident that rental would either re-sign, right? Or it's a guy like Ricard Raquel, who they know they get for at least two playoffs, right? I don't, I don't see them trading one of their top prospects for a pure rental. What would the reaction be like if they were to get Hall? Well, it, it would be mixed. I, I think you would have a lot of people that um, in Edmonton that realized, like, if you look at Taylor Hall for a long time, you, before McDavid, you know, came, he was kind of a freedom fighter up there, right? Like there was him and Eberle and, and Nugent Hopkins is, is a good second liner. He's never been a first line center. And like Hall was top 10 in scoring two years when, mm -hmm. you know, his centerman wasn't 
wasn't even really close. And, and he, when he was doing that, Frank, it wasn't on back of great power plays because early in his career, he was never a great power play player. The year he won the heart in New Jersey, he was, but he, he's a guy who's more so always been better on five on five. And you look at Edmonton, you know, they, they could really, if you, if you all of a sudden had him and whether you play him with McDavid or you play him with dry saddle, pick your poison, mm-hmm. you know, Nugent Hopkins, you've now got four good top six players. And then you've got Pugliarvi and Yamamoto on your right side as young complimentary guys. You would have something there in, in that division that you could, you could legitimately say, Hey, we can now compete with Toronto's top six straight across the board. It's close now, but I think that would make mm-hmm. it legit. And, and definitely with Winnipeg and, you know, Edmonton's defense, Darnell nurse has really um, filled a hole that I don't yep. think many thought like Darnell nurse is having a Norris trophy consideration yeah. type season. And that, that changes your whole team. When you have a guy who can play 28 minutes a night and play as well as he does. Yeah, no, no question. I mean, he's been everything this year that they could possibly have wanted and more like exceeding expectations, particularly, you know, in a year where you went in with a lot of concerns due to injury. So I I think there's two questions for me with Taylor Hall. And we touched on some of this last week is one, how good is he? Because, you know, he was clearly a driver in New Jersey and, you know, you think back to the Hart trophy year and I I know he's going to eat well off of that for a long time. But Arizona and Buffalo now are two stops in a row where I'm not seeing it, not seeing the hype. And now in Buffalo, it's so hard to tell with how, you know, how terrible that team has been, how productive can he be? And then also, you know, we hear start, you know, starting asking price, initial asking price, first round pick, like he hasn't shown that he's worthy of that kind of return. Well, let alone the the cap hit. Yeah. Well, Buffalo, they might be asking for a first Frank. They might have to settle for, you know, a, a prospect in a second or something, just because as you mentioned earlier, cap hit, there's not a ton of buyers who can even find ways to make that work. And that's where a team like Toronto, who's willing, like, I think Toronto's a team with their general manager, they're looking to go for it this year a little mm-hmm. bit. They wouldn't be afraid. You know, they, they've, they've stockpiled lots of assets over the year. Yep. They've clearly got maybe the most money of any ownership in the NHL. So mm-hmm. I, if, if all of it costs them is 2 million, that's a team that I would think that would look to say, Hey, why not? Cause we don't have to face Tampa. We don't have to face Boston. And, and I think there's a little bit of a mental block there that they don't have to worry about either one of those teams until at least the third round, potentially the fourth, if they get there. So Toronto's the team to me, Frank, like I, I look at that team and their biggest question mark now has to be in goal, right? Like I know Jack Campbell's been an unbelievable story. It's an unreal story. One of the best stories of the year, but he hasn't even started 10 games yet. And where's Freddie Anderson's health. Can, can they rely on him? Because I think we saw it last year, mm-hmm. Colorado goaltending ultimately yep. cost them a chance to go to the Stanley cup final. And not that it was bad goaltending because their goaltending got hurt and it just kept getting hurt. So to answer your questions, here's my Intel is that Freddie Anderson's getting close he's they're being super cautious with him because um and Pierre Lebron reported a little bit of this on insider trading on Thursday night that the idea is that he came back too quickly last time from his injury and so they want to make sure this time they get it right so I think he's getting a lot closer but Jack Campbell has played so well seven and oh now and, and you know he's just running with the ball that they don't feel any need at least is my understanding to go out and do something on the goaltending front, because they think a healthy Freddie Anderson, who's now gotten some rest after playing a really arduous schedule with all the injuries they had in net 
coupled with how well Jack Campbell has played, that that gives them enough confidence uh, moving forward where they don't need to go out and do something, that they have more pressing needs. And so it's not on defense. It's at forward, which we've talked about and we know. But the one thing I've learned about Toronto and the way that they approach things is for them, it's all about fit. It's stylistic fit as much as it is anything else. And they're looking for a very specific type of, of winger that they can plug in. And so I, I think that they're more suited or, or more interested. You know, we mentioned Grandland. They liked his versatility. I, you know, I reported previously that that was their primary target. Doesn't mean it's not going to happen, but Nashville's pulled their players back a little bit because they want to see where they stand. They're still listening. It doesn't mean they won't be traded, but moving forward, if it's not Grandland, I think they're interested in more of a Kyle Palmieri type that, you know, a little bit has a little bit more edge and grind to his game. And, and then, so it's Palmieri. I think a guy like Felino on a lowercase scale might make some sense too. Uh, but the difference between Palmieri and Felino, of course, is the production. Yeah. Well, Hey, Palmieri has been a pretty consistent goal scorer for the last four or five years. And you're right. He's got some edge in his size and, and the and he devil's... shows up every night. Yeah. Like it, it was interesting. And, I had a conversation with a, with a GM out East and you know, it's, it's funny how, I don't know what, what guys who you talk to Frank, if they say the same thing is there's a lot of teams are, are hesitant to want to give up what they know, right. That you are like, but I'm like, well, yeah, that's great. And I understand that, but how do you know for sure you're re-signing Kyle Paul Mary, if you're the New Jersey devils, right? Like, can you afford, and they're not, so, or at least to my knowledge, they're not, yeah. they haven't even had any conversations, any real substantive conversations. So like, I know that, you know, the New York Islanders are proof that you can maintain a really good team, even if you lose a top player. So that clearly can happen, but New Jersey, I don't think has remotely that they don't have a Matt Barzell coming to mm -hmm. replace that guy. No offense to Nico. He or any, you know, Jack Hughes is a good player, but I'm not sure any of those guys can be major drivers just yet. So I, I think you almost owe it, even though you might not get what you want, Buffalo, New Jersey, if, if they don't trade Paul Marion Hall, I think that's a massive loss for yeah, them regardless 100%. of the return. And I, that's why I'll be real surprised if 3 p.m. hits on April 12th and they're not gone. Um, I also think the Islanders, you know, you mentioned them, they, they make a, like Paul Mary makes a lot of sense there, um, if not Hall. And in some ways you could make the argument that Hall makes more sense given stylistic fit yeah. than, than Hall and, and, and sort of picks up for a little bit of what you're missing from Anders Lee now. Um, and I do, you know, I just want to touch on this one thing. Cause you did mention it. I do think that New Jersey has some of those pieces coming with he and, and Hughes. They're just, it's not right now, but he certainly trending in that direction. He's a driver. Um, and I think moving forward, they want to think they're in an interesting spot because they're not good enough to be in the race, but they're not bad enough to be in the, in the lottery situation, you know, just yet. And they want to maintain that competitive culture, you know, that we're trying to win rather than trying to tear it all down. So Palmieri, there was some hesitation, but I don't think there's any question that he gets moved now. The, uh, the Nashville Predators, Columbus, Chicago, you know, Chicago is an interesting one for me. I, I can't, maybe they make a small little ad. Like I remember when they added Michael Hanzus and people didn't think that was anything. And, you know, he played a huge role, but I look at the Nashville Predators and they're banged up beyond belief, Frank, but they're still winning games. 
games, mm -hmm. right? Like they've had a Cold lot tending. of young def defensemen step up on that team. And like, I just now with Ekholm having an extra year left in his contract, it just, it, it would, it would seem like a very odd trade now as your team is finally playing well, your guys are grinding it out and you trade away one of your best defensemen because you think you might lose them in another calendar year like that. That to me, I think, I just don't know if, they, I don't think David Poyle can make that trade right now. I agree with you. And I think the ask has been high. And I think other teams recognize the expansion draft complications that come with acquiring Ekholm that I think it makes sense to hang on to him. And if you are going to trade him, trade him after the expansion draft where a team gets a full year out of him or, you know, hang on to him for another year and move him at next year's deadline. But I think a guy like Granlund, a, a guy like Eric Halla, uh, those guys could make more sense where if you feel like whatever you're getting back justifies, you know, taking those guys out of your mix as you're trying to get into the playoffs. Cause you, these, these GMs have a, it's a push and pull, right? Like you want to keep your job, but you're also the steward of the franchise where you're trying to, you know, be a, a, a fiduciary responsibility to the overall, um, you know, direction of the group. And so, you know, on the one hand, I'm sitting there saying like, as much as David Poyle wants this group to get in and to do something because he's got a lot invested in it at the same time, they have to keep an eye on the future because they've got a situation where they're probably not beating Carolina. They're probably not beating Tampa in a seven game series. Those are the teams you're going to have to face in the first round. Does it really make sense to hang on to those pieces? If you're getting a decent return. What do you think Florida does? The Aaron Eckblad uh, injury is just devastating for that team. Yep. They've got a pretty good team and a lot of other pieces. Do, do they do they suddenly try to get a Savard potentially? You know, I just like it's hard to replace Aaron Eckblad. I'm, I'm not sure you can do it with one guy. They're going to have to do it by committee. But like Florida was a really competitive team, and I know that you felt that they were a notch below Carolina and mm -hmm. Tampa Bay, and I'd probably agree. But I don't think it was a big notch. I think they're they're close, and as we've seen every year in the NHL playoffs anything can happen. And mm -hmm. like that franchise hasn't had much success in a long, long time. I'm, I'm very curious about Bill Zito. Cause I, I keep hearing rumblings that he might make a big splash. I think he's, he's talking to everyone. Like he's one of those guys that's constantly on the horn. Um, he, he's, he's curious about a lot of things, but I don't know if, you know, if he's going to end up pulling the trigger or not, because there's a lot of different ramifications. I think he'd have to probably offload a contract um, in order to make some of that work, not cap wise, maybe more of a budgetary thing. Um, and so maybe there's a conversation where he could convince, um, you know, ownership there that, you know, he needs to do something, but they've realized two things and you hit it. One of them right on the head. You can't replace Aaron Eckblad, not with how well he's played this year. And two, they don't have a lot of currency. They're not trading picks. They're not trading prospects. They don't have a lot of prospects. And so, you know, then you start to go down the list, which, which of the guys that we could acquire are really difference makers. And so Savard would be one uh, again, you know, there's an acquisition cost and are you going to resign him? Is it a possibility? Um, I think they, they were interested in Shane Gostas bear. And I think that peaked their, you know, I think that's exactly why the flyers threw him on waivers, knowing that he's from Florida, one of the few original Florida Panthers fans growing up in uh, among players in the league. And I think, you know, they couldn't make the money work in that situation where they couldn't move a contract. So it didn't make sense to, to pull them in at full freight. Um, so I think they continue to scour the league and I, they've got one trade chip now and Chris Dreger, um, 
who is expansion draft eligible, obviously. And he's a guy that, um, you know, I, I wonder how deep that goalie market is aside from Jonathan Bernier. Do you think Chris Dreger is maybe the next best guy? Do you think with cap hit wise that Dreger makes more sense than Jonathan Bernier? And so they're pursuing all their options. And after signing Spencer Knight, Dreger is kind of like the one guy that they have that they could trade. Oh yeah. I think I'm going to be a lot of teams interested in him. He's, you know, you'd get him into your fold. Now you get a little sense of him. He gets a sense of you and he's a pen in UFA and you could resign him. And I, I think there's a potential there that uh, you could resign him at a pretty good number and get great value on the return of that number moving forward. Now let's go across the country out East or sorry, out West where suddenly there's four teams within four points for that final playoff spot. The LA Kings are one of them. They got a lot of young guys coming. I'm not sure Rob Blake's going to sacrifice much of the future, but you know, part of the development process, Frank, is getting some playoff experience for your young players, mm -hmm. right? They're only four points. There's Arizona, there's St. Louis, and the San Jose Sharks are actually playing well because they're getting goaltending suddenly. What do you make of the Kings? Do, does, do they do anything? I think they're deadline neutral. Um, you know, I don't think they're going to be in a position to add maybe a small piece here or there. And I don't think they're going to be selling off pieces. Um, they've been working behind the scenes to try and resign Alex Iafalo. And so um, I think there's a definite interest on both sides to get something done, which is why he's never made it to our trade bait board. And then the other guy, here's an interesting one that I wanted to throw at you. I heard from a team out East earlier this week. What about Sean Walker? He's a defenseman that on our right shot defenseman, by the way, that was on myself and Craig button. We did 10 breakout stars at the beginning of the year. And Sean Walker was on that list. And, you know, I was looking forward to some big things from him this year and, and not to say he hasn't delivered, but he's a guy that has term and a low, relatively low cap hit to something two six, something two seven. And he's a guy that would make sense on a lot of teams, but I, uh, my Intel at this point is that while the Kings have received calls on Sean Walker, that they're not interested in moving him. So they, they consider him to be one of those pieces on the blue line that they want to keep moving forward. And so such a good point by you about getting that playoff experience as much as they want it. And, you know, the, the guys that are there, Jonathan quick and Dustin Brown and uh, Jeff Carter that have won these cups, Kopitar Dowdy, and there's pictures all over the wall that they see the Stanley cup days. You don't, Get, you don't know what it's like until you feel it and, and experience totally. it yourself. And so as much as they want to get those guys a taste of that, they're not going to go crazy, you know, trying to, to get there, especially this year. What about Doug Wilson, who has a, a long track record of making big moves? Now, I don't think San Jose is necessarily in a position cap-wise or, or asset-wise to do that, but it, like the sharks have always been fairly aggressive and, and, mm -hmm. you know, never always feel like they have a chance. If, if all of a sudden here in the next 10 days, they're still within two points, let's say, or three, and they've got a fairly favorable schedule down the stretch. Do you think Doug Wilson is, is, is maybe a, you know, like a, a shark lying in the weeds to, to make a small little move to address his team? I see what he did there. A shark. Huh? Um, I don't think so. I don't see it. I don't think, I think they're kind of a, a deadline, you know, non-entity, you know, again, if they get in great, um, you know, they already don't have a lot of future pieces in their cupboard. And yeah. so you can't be trading picks to get in. They don't have very many pro they're like, they lack, they have a currency issue. They lack cap space. They lack so many things in order to really be a player. Like the best thing that they could do is to unload a contract. See if you could get Doug Wilson's former home, Chicago to take one of those players. I doubt it. Um, yeah. 
it would have to be such a significant cost to do so. That's the only way that this team can move forward in a, in a real meaningful way is to, you know, clear up some of that log jam on defense. Like those contracts are so big and for so long and guys like Vlasic just seem to be at the end of the rope that, um, man, the, I just don't see an easy way out in San Jose. No, no, I, I would agree with you on that. I just wondered if it might be, you know what, we're going to take a last run in it because uh, who knows what we, because I think, I think the future might be painful a little bit for San Jose after like Doug Wilson has the most regular season wins since he's coming to the NHL. Like mm-hmm. they've had a really good franchise for a long time. And you know, some years, I think if you ask those players, you know, they'd admitted that maybe they left some, some opportunities in the playoffs, looking back for those years, but they, they, the day of reckoning is what they're facing in a cap world. It's like, they, they were competitive for so long and traded picks to be in the mix for so long. Their prospects that they had have all grown up. And now, you know, they've had to chase it a little bit in free agency and through trade through trade. And it's made life difficult. No, it has, but I'll give them credit because you look at like Chicago's when they had their big peak, it didn't last that long, right? Like, you know, the LA Kings didn't last that long. Like the shark, Sharks have, they've never won the cup, but man, they, they had stayed 16, at the top. 17, 18 years of like oh, really competitive, legit, really hockey. competitive. So but now this is, that's how it works. It's cyclical. What about Arizona? Right. Uh, I know Connor Garland, other than wanting to, to maybe get a tighter fitting helmet, uh, which uh, one of the greatest scenes ever I've seen in a long time. I absolutely love that, by the way. I thought it was so funny, but you, you look at the, what's up with the, the anger, mess. by the way, like everyone, Oh, the, you know, suspension, like, oh, like suspension like, for what is basically he threw a softball. The best part about it, Frank was it was going to hit him in the chest, but Garland's reaction, he almost hit himself in the face with the helmet. That's what made <laughs> me laugh the most. Well, that and like, to be honest, I don't know how many times I, I think I saw it when I just woke up because I, I missed it live and I saw like the GIF being replayed on loop on Twitter and I oh, kept yeah. looking for the helmet to be coming out of the scrum that was on the boards. I'm like, where the hell is this helmet coming from? And then like, it took me, I'm not kidding you 20 times. Like I need a coffee, like to see McKinnon toss it. And it was underhand. It was benign. Like but everyone, like, it's just the outrage, like, like, what's this going to be? Fine suspension. Can't believe he did that. You know, there goes the lady being like, just stop. Like oh. we want emotion. We want action. You can't have it both ways. You, you know, as, as my good friend says, you can't suck and blow at the same time. No, I, I'll take his word for it for sure. But it's, uh, <laughs> it, it is definitely one where, um, where I think at times, people get overreactive because they just want to be heard. And as long, as long as it's not their player, then they're okay. But I'm like, but if you want that for other players, then eventually it's going to happen to your guys. So if you want emotion, the game, just be like, Hey, take it for the comedic relief that it was. No one remotely got hurt whatsoever. And I think the NHL only- there were so many layers to it. Yeah. Like the NHL only he find him, I think Frank, just because of the optics, but that is re- like, there are hits from behind every game that are 50 times potentially more dangerous than that. And nothing ever happens about it. So I, I thought like give Nathan, and I actually liked his post game comments even afterwards a little bit more, right. Uh, he, you know, he didn't deny it. It was just like, yeah, I told him heads up and you know, whatever. It was funny. So good. It adds a little emotion. And uh, I hope that we see more of that. It does lead me to one point though. We've seen mm-hmm. McDavid had an elbow and cocked the Emmy. He was clearly frustrated. You know, this one was more of a, a playful thing, but I've seen a little bit more Frank in the last few weeks of stars on other teams, giving it back to other guys. I think they're getting fed up with all the, the uh, clutching, grabbing, hooking and holding that's being allowed. 
I think so. But I think they've been fed up for a long time. You know, maybe what's boiling over is some of what we've talked about all season long is seeing the same guy seven, eight, nine, ten times in a season. Plus the fact that it's just game after game after game, a steady diet of, of game nights where, I don't know, you just get frustrated with something and it boils over. So I, I don't, you know, I don't know if it's necessarily star related, even though those are the guys that have popped up. But, um, you know, I think they've been feeling that way for a long time. Frank, I want to get to one player, and then we're going to get to uh, buy or sell. But it's one player because I think it's it's a microcosm of what we might see in the offseason. So Ryan Nugent Hopkins, longtime Edmonton order. Mm-hmm. He's a potential UFA. They're obviously not going to move him at the deadline. Worst case scenario, he doesn't resign in any walks in the offseason. Uh, you reported that uh, you know the la- latest offer was a five-year one for, from the Edmonton orders. Maybe not the, the money that Nugent Hopkins is looking for. Here's my thing. Now, to me, I have been on the bandwagon for years. Term, term, term is what crushes teams in free agency. And mm-hmm. time and time again, they all forget. If I was an order fan and I heard that my GM was offering a five-year deal, because if he's offering it to one of his longest standing players, mm-hmm. then he's probably not going to offer more than that to guys like Larson or Tyson Berry or others. I would assume I could be wrong. Mm-hmm. So I just wonder if, if we're going to see more teams limiting term and this, especially in a flat cap era, because if you get stuck, like look at it in the last five years, how many, con- even guys like Eric Carlson, you know, Vlasic, you mentioned earlier, like these are good players, but quickly three, four years in, and there's only halfway through the contract. And you're like, oh my goodness. Like, do you think the flat cap is ultimately what's going to lead to, especially in UFAs, less guys getting term? I would hope so. I mean, it's about time that everyone's connected the dots. Like last time I checked father time remains undefeated, right? Um, There's very few players. If I was running a team that would garner a real long-term deal, like I, like you could have paid Connor McDavid $20 million and could have made the argument that it was worth it. Like whatever he signed for, you get him for as long as you can and lock him up and get that deal done. Dry cycle, special players, same kind of thing. When you're talking about, you know, non-superstars, good players that help, you know, your team win. I'm not going over five years for just about anyone. You know, it's a very rare circumstance, you know, and I just, I would think, you know, if you're an Oiler fan and you're viewing it rationally, like you said, you'd be celebrating the fact that they're trying to limit that, that they're seeing five years on a player that they could go eight on because he's in their organization that they want to keep it to that number. Now, does that mean that Ryan Nugent Hopkins won't sign in Edmonton or, uh, you know, does that mean that they couldn't ultimately come to a deal that is six years? Who knows? Like anything's possible, but that gives you some kind of indication that coupled with the dollars, um, you know, they're not in a, they haven't found common ground to this point. So whether that's the term or whether that's the dollars, I don't think they're there on either part of it. And they're in a spot now where it's 12, 13 days before the deadline. And I think, you know, the nudes camp and Oiler fans that are interested would have already wanted this locked up by now. They'd want it done. Um, You know, and I I think this is one of those situations that to me, uh, you know, I don't have a crystal ball, but the way I'm seeing this play out is that this goes down to the wire you know, right before free agency opens that they're still trying to hammer this out. Okay. Let's bring in uh, producer Ty for another week of buy or sell. Yes. Let's do it. Buy or sell as always guys brought to you by jock market, jock, 
DFO20 is the promo code that gets you a $20 deposit bonus. And just like I did last week, I got a couple of players I'm eyeing up on jock market. The first one, his stock might be a little bit high right now, but I don't think it's as high as it should be. And that's Adam Fox's the Rangers. Maybe getting some chatter in the Norris race, nine points in his last four games. The other one, Marty Neckash. I think I'm saying that right. Am I saying that right, Frank? Yes. Ne- yes. Yeah, Neckash. Yeah. There you go. Uh, six points in his last three games. He's up on that top line with Sebastian Ajo. He is top up on that top power play unit as well. Maybe a guy, you know, when people are thinking the hurricanes and they're thinking of buying stock on those players, they're thinking Ajo, Hamilton, Svechnikov. He's a guy who could sneakily put up some points and really get that stock price up over the next week or so here. But your first buy or sell. You guys know me. I'm a bit of a betting man. So I've set some over-unders for you in terms of the trade deadline. Nashville Predators. I'm setting the line at one and a half trades between now and the deadline. I'm taking the under. Are you buying or selling on less than a trade and a half for David Poyle at the deadline? Frank, I'll start with you. Wow. One and a half. That's such a good line. Like, do you work in Vegas? Um, I am going to take... I'm going to take the under. I think the one guy that moves is Mikhail Granlin. I think there's been interest. Um, I don't know about Eric Halla. He's another guy, a pending UFA that would make some sense, but I think they hang on to Ekholm and I don't think really that many other pieces are moving there. I am actually going to uh, sell on that tie because I think the Predators are going to make, I, I agree with Frank, I think Granlin can go, but I also think David Poyle then is going to make like a hockey trade, which we've seen mm. the odd time at the deadline where he trades a player out and he gets a guy back in. So I'm going to go two. So I am selling. That's a really good point, by the way, before we get to the next okay. one, because, um, you know, Nashville, I, I don't, they're not ruling out the idea of if they're in this spot that they might not add a piece because this could be such a soft market that they could grab one for cheaper than they otherwise might. We're going to go to Detroit where it's expected they're going to sell off. So the number is much higher. Frank, you have four Red Wings on your trade bait board. I have set the line at four and a half, but I'm taking the over. I think absolute fire sale in Detroit. Gregor, are you agreeing with more than four and a half trades in Detroit at the deadline? Uh, Stevie Y is not afraid to make moves, but man, that's a lot. I'm trying to, I'm just trying to, I'm going down their roster and I'm, yeah, thinking, I'm saying who else are you plucking off? <laughs> yeah. Like I, I just, I can't who do people see, want? I'm trying to think has a team ever traded five players. That'd be a great question at the deadline. Uh, I'm uh, so I'm going to go under just because I think four and a half is, is, I think that's a real safe bet for me to go. So I will, I will sell and say uh, definitely uh, under. I thought you were going to give me a line of like two and a half. I, yeah, uh, me too. I, I will take the under for sure. It's never yeah. that easy. I'm going to take the under as well. Um, Glenn Denning, I, I think is absolutely going. Um, Bernier. I think Bernier, and I'm pretty sure on Bobby Ryan. The guy that I'm not sure on is Mark Stahl. So, um, and then after that, I'm like, who else are you going to get that gets you up to five? Maybe like a Sam Gagne, just another depth piece that they throw in somewhere to get a sixth or a seventh. Does that... Do sixth or seventh ever pan out? Like it's like it's Fair like enough. free it's like free currency. <laughs> hey, Andre Palat says hello. Yeah, uh, no, I like they do at some point. Like you get one every yeah. draft or whatever the number yeah. is, but like teams trade those like all the time. Oh no, they do for sure. Uh, one more over under for you guys. We are going to Columbus, where I have set the line at three and a half. Frank, you only have two of them on the trade bait board, but maybe some more depth pieces there. In my opinion, that could move compared to Detroit. I am taking over three and a half in Columbus. I think Kekalainen gets busy. Frank, you buying or selling on over three and a half trades for the Jackets? 
I'm going under. I think you got Savard. Um, well, you know, here's the one thing, and I, I actually, you know, just thinking about this, and I wanted to mention it earlier in the show, we were talking about goalies. I think Elvis Merz-Lincolns is really interesting because he's also expansion exempt. Yeah. And so that's a really key nugget that Aaron Portstein from The Athletic pointed out. And so he makes a lot of sense for a team to go after, not just the contract, but also the fact that he's expansion exempt. And so, so you got one of their goalies, okay? You've got Savard, you've got Felino, and then I think there could be a depth pick, you know, uh, Michael Riley Delgado, Nash. Riley Nat, like someone, there's someone there that they could move. So what was your number? Three Four and a half, half and I'm and going half. over. Yeah, I'm going to take the over. Frank okay. talked himself into it. Yeah, I like it. Now, does that include a coaching change in the offseason? Because then I would go over. But uh, I'm, I'm going to go under. I think it's challenging to see. But I will say this, and totally uh, irrelevant to this question, Line a needs to be qualified at 7.5 in Columbus. What happens there? That's why he wasn't in. That's why he's no longer in Winnipeg. Ty, we'll uh, ask you. What do you think happens to Line? Maybe that's a buy or sell question uh, for down the road in the offseason. Uh, for number four here, we're going to come north of the border. That was I a got... total punt, by the way. What do you like? Come on, a- answer the question. I'm a professional this is like fence rapid, sitter. This is like rapid fire. The only thing is you have to answer yeah, the question. That's that's the I only like that rule. rule. Damn I'm, straight. I'm a hot take guy. All I do is spit hot takes. Line A's in a deal for Eichel this offseason. Book it. Ooh, all right. <laughs> like my mind like you know that emoji where like the guy's brain yeah. exploded that's, that's me right now Whatever, you didn't want me what to sit on say? the fence so i'll yeah, hit you with something no that's okay. good if you're gonna come out you gotta come out soon. Like hit it. me with a cinder block that's what you hit <laughs> me with all right number four on the buyer's cell toronto maple leafs you guys have talked about the goalie situation i'm gonna say jack campbell leads the toronto maple leafs in games played in the playoffs in terms of goaltending i think he will get the bulk of the starts come playoff time for the Leafs, Frank, are you buying or selling? Selling. I think Jack Campbell has, first off, you know, not even convinced he's their game one starter. There's a long way to go to get there. Freddie Anderson, as I mentioned, is going to get healthy, relatively short order. And I, there is a possibility, if he is the game one starter, that he's like Philip Grubauer was with the Washington Capitals in the year they won the Stanley Cup. Starts the first two, they turn it over to Freddie Anderson as they turn it over to Braden Holpe, and the more experienced guy takes off and carries the load. So that's how I see it playing out. It's been a good story. His sample size is incredibly limited, and, and moving forward, I'm, you know, I'm curious to see how long it can go. The thing about Campbell is, and we've seen there, you know, there's, I wouldn't say a lot, but there's been a, a significant amount of goalies who are, are late bloomers in their late twenties. And you're going to mention you know, Jordan Bennington, right? Yeah. Well, yeah, he was even younger. Like he's a, but you look at Mike Smith and then you look at, you know, obviously Tim Thomas is probably one of the best ones ever, but um, you know, e- even Hasek was a little bit older. Now Hasek's on a completely different level, but Jack Campbell to me, the wild card is, it's just the health of Freddie Anderson. If, if Freddie Anderson's healthy, I think it's a no-brainer he's playing. But Frank, the fact that you mentioned ah, he came back early, to me, that that rags a big bell of uh-oh. Because if you come back, that to me, there's something significant that potentially could be re-aggravated again, right? And what about so, Campbell's own health? Yeah, well, that's fair too. You're right, right? That's fair too. So I think it's a really good question because I think the the one big question mark in Toronto right now is, is not the play of their goaltenders. It's the health combined of their goaltenders. Are they now they're lucky that, you know what, if Freddie Anderson gets hurt, well, then they can go to Jack Campbell and they, he can probably play four or five games. So that's a good issue. But to me, that's 
a little bit of a concern. So I like that question, but I still got to go with Freddie Anderson because I think when he's healthy, he's still a better goal. This is why we keep Tyler around. Exactly. Number five on this one, sticking with North teams, sticking with goalies. Thatcher Demko, Frank, you broke the signing, I believe. Five years, $5 million. I think that's a good deal for a guy who could be a number one goalie down the road. I think by year three of that contract, it is considered a value deal around the NHL. Gregor, buying or selling on Demko making that contract a value contract? Oh, dude, I'm buying hard on that. Okay. Like, I, I would go even two years. I think Thatcher Demko, you you look at his age and his development curve, like you get a guy, A, we, we Frank and I talked earlier about term. I love five years. Like you look at some of the goaltenders, man, hey, Carey Price, one of the best goalies in the, in the league for a long time. That contract's going to be an albatross near the end. Bobrovsky, same is. thing. And I look at five years for Thatcher Demko. He's just coming into his own now. He definitely doesn't have a lot of tread on his tires whatsoever. I think you, you look at an organization, you need a goalie, you need a defense. They got Quinn Hughes. They got Pedersen. If he can stay healthy, my concern there is more of his body type, if he can handle the wear and tear. And then you got Horvat. Like they've got pieces in all different positions that are key. I really like the Demko sign. I was kind of surprised people were, well, you know, he hasn't played enough games, yada, yada. You know what? When you have a guy who you know has talent, Sometimes you got to roll the dice on it. And I think this is one that comes up as a value contract, maybe even sooner than three years. Yeah, I agree. I I think it's, you know, I'm wholeheartedly buying. This is an easy one for me. You know, I think what we're talking about here is, and like, let's compare it to a second for Markstrom because that's what Canucks fans want to do is like, well, we, you know, we kind of gave Demko the money that we could have just given Markstrom a guy who is, you know, you could say more proven based on the games played and based on the value that he showed to the team for the last couple of years. But to me, it all comes down to where they are in their career cycle because Thatcher Demko at 26, 27, 28 should be way more valuable than Jacob Markstrom at 32, 33, 34. And so that's really what the Canucks are paying for. You know, you could make the argument in these first two years that, you know, maybe with the lack of games played, the fact that he's an RFA, um, you know, with our brights that, you know, maybe 5 million is a little bit too much in those first couple of years, but to buy three years of UFA of him at five, I think, you know, it just makes too much sense. And so I think they could have originally been in that sort of four year, $20 million range, but the fact that they go an extra year um, buys them some, some, some more security at a number that makes sense. There you go. Another segment of buyer sell. And by the way, there's no way a Finnish GM lets his prized Finnish player walk because of an arbitration number, or a qualifying number, right? Come on. Not after trading Pierre-Luc <laughs> Dubois for him. Yeah, exactly. Well, I wonder if, if maybe you can sign line a to an extension. That's a lower cap hit mm-hmm. for, you know, six or seven years, because you know, he struggled this year. And the one thing about Columbus though, they need a playmaking center to get him the puck. Like Ovechkin's the greatest goal scorer we've ever seen. He's had one of the best passers in the league on him for a long time. Uh, Oates and Hall, look at Brett Hall's numbers when he didn't have Adam Oates, right? Like he's still a great goal scorer. He's just not that good. And right now, you know, Columbus just doesn't have a top end distributor of the puck at center. And I think that's something they're going to have to get to really, if you want to maximize line, you need a great passer with him. And now you talk about, you were mentioning torts. Now they're going back into their shell. Like how's that going to help Patrick Line and his game moving forward? Yeah. Tortorella's, he's not going to be re-signed, is he, Frank? I can't, I can't imagine. Like, like, like no, But also the only thing that gives me pause is the fact that they're able to, he has the runway to kind of do what he's doing now, which is doubling down on, we need to sit back. We need to play defense. We need to just, you know, be a tougher team to play against, you know, 
Tortorella's line the whole time has been safe as death. And now he wants to play like the safest team. Yeah. Yeah. It's not, uh, I don't know. I, I think they're, they're due for a lot of changes there. They'll have a new coach who's who, but they need, they need a centerman who can distribute the puck. There's no question about that. And it's Emo- funny because they had a couple guys that could do that. The most sidetracked edition of Buy or Sell is brought to you by yeah. Jock Market. Pl- trade player shares in real time. JockMKT.com. Again, that promo code is DFO20. Gets you a $20 deposit bonus. That's Buy or Sell. Well, when you have good questions, sometimes it just goes <laughs> off in other categories. So, yeah, well, we, we went outside the lines a little bit. Sorry, Ty. Hey, it's we had a fence sitter, too, so we had to punch him in the yeah. teeth a little bit. He did come back, though. With, he came off the top rope. Well, like line A for Eichel. Like, where, where did that come from? What? <laughs> Uh, it's a, it's an interesting one, Frank. So, uh, quickly for fun before mm-hmm. next Friday, the pod, how many trades at least like, I'm going to, I'm going to say, I'll give you, cause why are you doing days. this to me again? Yeah. Well, Come everybody on, like, likes redemption, Frank. It's not about when you, fail. I don't look at it as redemption. I look at like, I'm, I'm like the golfer on the tee. That's nervous about all the things. Oh, out of bounds. Right. You know what? I, like, I'm not thinking about how I'm going to pummel a drive down the middle of the fairway. I'm thinking about all the problems. And so now when you give me how many trades are like, I'm like, don't, don't leave this to me. What are you doing to me? No. Yeah, well, I'm going to tell you right now, Frank, I think there's going to be, I think there's going to be lots near the end, but I'm going to say, but when we come here next Friday morning, there will be uh, at least two trades to discuss. Will there be any over the weekend? Before our next pod, you mean on Monday? Yeah, before we have Darren Dreger and Pierre LeBron on to do our no. uh, trade deadline no. roundtable. I so think maybe- I think everybody's gonna everybody's gonna be hunting for Easter eggs and taking time off from trade talks. Okay, so that's the weekend. So then you're saying between Monday and Friday, there's gonna be two. Okay? Yeah, less less than a week. You get down to it, teams like, all right, here we go. Because if I trade them on a Monday, boom, now I can. Well, if you're within the states, you can just get them right away. Yeah. A little bit of quarantine. But if you're into Canada, you only got seven days now. That makes a big difference. I think a lot of it waits until deadline day itself. Yeah. And and well, even then, we may not see a ton of action. But I think it, whatever, you know, there's always going to be some stuff that happens. Rosters expand, et cetera. You know, there, someone has an itchy trigger finger that they need to pull something off just to say they did. Yeah, no, I, th- I think there's going to be some moves. And I, I, Hey, we had him on the show. Uh, Don Waddell is my guy who I think is going to be, Carolina's got a good team and mm-hmm. they got a really aggressive owner. And Don Waddell historically has never been afraid to make trades. I think Carolina is going to be a big mover and shaker in the next 10 days. Totally agree. And I'm so glad we had him on to explain that, like that he's willing to tinker and, and do things and, and maybe think outside the box a little bit. What did he say? He's like, you know, stop thinking about what you're giving up and think about what you're getting. And I thought that was such a good point. Yeah. Well, I, I wonder if they're a, if they're a sneaky team on Taylor Hall at the end, just to spice up their, uh, their team. You never know. Like, I think, I think they could go for it there. I think they could. Yep. Cause you're going to need a lot of firepower to match Tampa in the second round. I think they've got a lot of it. I think they're just trying to shore up their defense so that they're a tougher team to play against. Yeah. Well, they've got a, and that's the other thing we didn't even talk about, Frank, is Carolina's goaltending. You talk about a team that has a lot of goaltending opportunities. Morazic, they put on a conditioning stint. So, you know, he'll get some game action in, uh, be back up to speed. I got to think, though, for teams who need goaltenders, there's a team that you could, you know, you could get one of their goalies yeah. there for sure. James I Reimer, I think, would make a lot of sense somewhere. Um, I think Nadokovic is the guy that they want to, Nadelkovic, excuse me, is the guy that they would like to keep. Uh, he's played so well. He's got, you know, some track record in the American League as well. 
I think Reimer would be the guy that would be on the move, but they've played coy to this point as to which one. And then, so then you have all these goalies that are piling onto the market now at the last moment, you've got one of the Carolina goalies, you've got Dreger in Florida. Maybe you've got Kemper in the mix in Arizona. One of the Columbus guys, Jonathan Bernier. And then you're like, our guys are like, there's only like two teams that might need a goalie here. Not more than that. So like, let's not go crazy here. Trying to put all your goalies on the market at the last second. Yeah, that's fair. Well, Frankie, we have yourself a great weekend. Have a good Easter egg hunt. Hope the Easter bunny shows up for the kids and uh, we will talk to you on Monday. Looking forward to it. Going to have the TSN boys on for a little round table. Thanks for listening to the DFO rundown with Saravali and Gregor. Keep it locked on dailyfaceoff.com and subscribe wherever you get your podcast from to never miss an episode. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special coming your way this playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. And let me tell you, it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal. Every playoff game day, you're going to be faced with four questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle. And here's a sneak peek into some of those questions we'll be firing your way. First up, you got to pick the winning team. That sounds simple, right? 
but there's more. You gotta decide if the total amount of goals in the game will be over or under a certain amount, and that's where the real strategy starts to kick in. Next up, you're picking who's gonna find the back of the net first, and you're gonna wanna be careful, because that's one that could be cooked early on in the game. And finally, you gotta predict which period is going to be the highest scoring. Will it be a barn burner in the first, a shootout in the second, or a nail biter in the third? That's up to you to decide. Now let's talk about prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? For the daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards to treat yourself to some fresh nation gear, and you might even win a jersey from your favorite team. And for the big dogs, those who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. Play now at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess.